Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look back on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick, author of the brilliant Becoming All Elite book, which is available right now, whatculture.bigcartel.com. Go and get it. You're going to get it in time for Christmas. You can even get it signed by the author himself. But as I said, joined by Sidgwick, look back on Rampage. I really enjoyed this show. I did. If I'm out of breath, it's because I've just uh, climbed up one flight of stairs five minutes ago. Gee, I need to make some changes, like. <laughs> I mean, it's Christmas coming up. It's the wrong time mm. to do that. And, you know, New Year's resolutions are all bollocks, so I'm probably not going to make any changes. <laughs> but, you know, if I could be arsed, I would. Uh, no, I really like this. I'm a stickler, Wilborn, for range. Use that word quite often on podcasts. And, in fact, in my new book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, which you can pre-order right now at whatculture.bigcartel.com. It's not enough for me to simply watch X number of very good to great matches in a row on a wrestling show. Mm. I've been spoiled. We've all been spoiled for quite some time. So when I talk about why I love and I'm impressed by Dynamite more often than not, it's because you get the promos, the angles, and the match quality, and you get the stylistic range. It's an hour-long show. This was such... A huge appeal to my tastes that I'm going to put this one over to the hilt. I thought this was an excellent rampage. And for three distinct reasons, all three matches just complemented each other beautifully. That I was raised by. The quality was high throughout. I got a little bit of something different out of every match. Love this. What a Blue wonderful bar, yeah. Yeah, what a wonderful hour of television this was. Let's dive straight into it then. The opening match was Adam Cole and Bobby Fish versus Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Utah. Um, they do all their entrances, and uh, the match starts with Cole and Cassidy 
Cassidy goes to do his whole hands-in-the-pocket spot, but Cole stops him so he can do another Adam Cole, baby! And that's basically the story of the opening bits of this match. Uh, Orange Cassidy consistently trying to put his hands in his pockets and Adam Cole getting more and more pissed off with him doing this. And that led effectively, because he was so dead set on stopping this sunglass-wearing git putting his hands in his pockets, that he got out-wrestled by Orange Cassidy, who then did a little pose for the camera. it's a strategy. Mm. He's a very clever wrestler who's trying to win matches. Uh, and that riled up Cole... Uh, eventually, uh, Wheeler Utah comes in, gets caught on the middle rope. Cole pulls him to the mat, and then Cole and Fish take advantage. Uh, Fish hit a neck break as we go to a picture-in-picture picture break. They are experienced tag team together, and so they manage to isolate Wheeler Utah. Uh, but finally, after we come back from the break, Utah is fighting back, dumps Cole to the floor, and Zaguri to Bobby Fish goes to tag Cassidy, but Cole pulls Orange Cassidy uh, off the apron. So Utah has to fight back and hit both of his opponents with elbows and a middle rope drop kick to allow himself to get to the corner, tagging Orange Cassidy, who comes in and pops his hands in his pockets. He does the little kicks, and there's a brilliant spot where Cole and Fish are sort of selling and then realize it's something like tickling like the back of my leg and turn around. And here he is, Orange Cassidy, doing his signature moves. Uh, but it's all a ruse because as they go to chin him, he uh, manages to knock them both down with a drop kick. And a, a Rana sends both of them out to the floor. He does a tope, suicida to the outside. And Yuta comes off at the top with a crossbody onto the floor to take them both down. Yuta then frog splashes Cole, gets a near fall off that. Cassidy uh, hits Stundog Millionaire. Um, Yuta hits the German suplex. Cassidy jackknife covers again for a two count, but then Fish fights back, explodes suplex. Cole hits him with a knee strike, and Fish puts a knee bar on Cassidy. And there's a brilliant sort of cat and mouse spot with Uta trying to break up the submission and Cole trying to cut him off. Eventually, Uta did manage to break it up. Cassidy hits the beach break on Cole. Uta hits the angle slam on Bobby Fish for a great near fall, but he goes up to the top. Cole crotches him. And uh, Cole takes out Cassidy, hoying him into the ring steps on the outside. And Fish sets himself up and hits a brilliant top rope falcon arrow for the one, two, three. I thought this was excellent. And I thought it was excellent for a variety of reasons. The first of which is like pro wrestling uses its artistic license to do silly stuff um, on seasonal episodes to just ridiculous extents at times. Like we see, oh, it's a trick or treat street fight on Halloween. Let's make someone look like a tit by putting their head in a pumpkin. Oh, Santa's on WWE TV all the time. Mm. Like we see it all the time. What this match did, in just a little low key way, was it realized, right, it's Friday. The Yanks have celebrated Thanksgiving. They're probably going to be extremely full of food and in decent moods. Now's not the time to do really serious main event angle business. It's not the right time of year to ask people to invest in some kind of really emotionally intense storyline. So what they instead do is, instead of doing a really broad, stupid, prop-based comedy match, they just do a match brimming with really inventive light relief. That wasn't necessarily a Thanksgiving match, quote-unquote, but it was just a mood-dependent bit of fun for the Yanks on mm. TV. So I really liked the tone of this match because it didn't really do anything silly, but it was very amusing and really creatively worked. Situationally, an exceptional match to do that you probably wouldn't see that much, particularly with Adam Cole involved. Cast your mind back about three or four weeks. AEW realizes that 
Adam Cole and John Silver have got chemistry mm-hmm. on being the elite. <clears throat> and the chemistry is based on the fact that Adam Cole is seething and just cannot abide John Silver being a little knacker who just puts his foot in his mouth and just pesters him constantly. <laughs> the bit works, right, because Adam Cole's got an absolutely fantastic face. Oh, yeah. Adam Cole selling the fact that he's had it up to goddamn here with this idiot is really good, dot, 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 on being the elite. They thought, that's kind of gold on being the elite. Let's do the exact same thing on Dynamite. Right, let's do the budge thing. Very few people in the arena react because being the elite has become kind of a a niche concern. Yeah. There are way more Dynamite fans than there are being the elite fans. So this shtick doesn't really work in arenas. They recognize that it doesn't work in arenas. So what they do before the John Silver versus Adam Cole Rampage match is they decide to explain the joke, which always makes jokes much funnier, <laughs> as you're well aware, and it fails as well. What this match does is it holds on to this concept, right? Adam Cole selling being furious at silliness is really funny. They're not letting go. This has to be done. And they do it in the best way possible by having Adam Cole seethe at Orange Cassidy's shtick. And it's exceptional. It's a joke that requires no explanation. It's a joke that's folded into a pro wrestling match wonderfully. And I cannot tell you how many times I've smiled at Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole constantly having this little strategic dance where one of them pisses the other off and the other one sells being pissed off with this absolutely incredibly expressive face. This is a really fun match and really at the end, quite a dramatic match mm. tacked on to the end of it, but they just stumbled upon a really great dynamic that I had loads and loads of time for. Really fun match, improbably dramatic at the stretch, like really well worked because Casty can balance his comedy and his actual mm-hmm. wrestling um, very, very well. Uh, this was so much better than I thought it was going to be given the dynamite obligatory build. I just had a smile on my face throughout. And I genuinely, as much as I really like Orange Cassidy, and I think I'm the high guy of the Dadly Boys, mm-hmm. um, re-Orange Cassidy, but I can't remember the last time, genuinely since maybe the pack match from Revolution 2020, where I was like falling in love with the act all mm. over again. Like he's made me smile a lot in like short bursts. And sometimes he does way more than that like the triple threat at uh, Double or Nothing. This is the first time I really felt like I got the full Orange Cassidy experience on AEW TV, and I thought it was great. Uh, and I should point out, because uh, Hamlet said he'd kill us if we didn't mention it, Taz calling the scrotum the yam bag. Yam bag. <laughs> yam bag. <laughs> Never change, Taz. Uh, right, we go backstage. Tony Nice uh, and his tiny niece are chatting to Tony Schiavone, uh, and uh, Nice is talking about... You know, the fact he's been, you know, spotted at ringside and says, I've not been just sort of hanging about, basically. Um, he's been scouting the talent. He says, none of the other men who've challenged Sammy Guevara for this TNT title, sort of open challenge that they've got going on, have got what it takes because they didn't do enough good enough scouting. But he is now confident he can beat Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara just so happens to be walking past at this point, and he interrupts. They get into this heated exchange, and Nice says, hey, calm down, look. I just want to face you for the TNT Championship next week. Sammy accepts, and they do one of my favorite things in pro wrestling, which everyone has done if you've ever been a wrestling fan with their mate, and that's the old handshake, go to walk away, 
pull the other person back in, except Nice, well, chins Sammy Guevara or goes after the injured ribs, I should probably point out, to uh, to lay him out. What did you make of this? Mixed emotions, I sense. Yeah, because it was a really good version of a angle and a bit of blocking that we see to the point of genuine parody. Even mm. WW, uh, AEW, Freudian slip yeah. there and absolutely deserved one at that. Um, that AEW have even started parodying themselves, of course. Sammy Guevara's there. And, you know, if you peel back that camera and you look at it, if you look at the scene, like before the camera's lens, if that makes any sense. You can see Guevara waiting there. He just happens to be... It just becomes all the more contrived if you apply a second's worth of thought to it. I've thought of another way to resolve this creeping contrivance that is infecting AEW, right? And it kind of steps on the toes of Mark Henry's bit before the main event. Mm -hmm. But, like, we see it in combat sports all the goddamn time. There's, you know... Combat sports, whether they are predetermined or shoot or somewhere in between, like boxing, <laughs> they recognize people aren't just going to watch a fight based on the technical abilities of the respective fighters involved. It's entertainment. It's mm -hmm. been a show for decades and decades and decades and decades. You can accept that it has to be promoted with a bit of trash talk and, you know, pretending that the athletes hate each other a bit more than they actually do in real life. But they acknowledge... Right, hang on. We need to do this, but let's just have them talk trash to each other in the same shot. Why can't AEW do more of the thing that happens before Rampage, the main event? Now, I like Mark Henry's line a lot, but I like believable, immersive mm. pro wrestling TV more than one throwaway line. They should make that the standard. If you're going to have a scene between, like this, between Guevara and Nice, just have, we have uh, the two competitors in the upcoming TNT title match on Rampage next week. And we're going to hear from both of them right now. It wouldn't be contrived that becomes like heated and tense and punches are thrown because we see this in MMA and in boxing all the goddamn time. So I would like them to do a little bit more of that because it would make something like this be a good version of something tired. It's lazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's very lazy. Yeah. And they could just reframe the way these um, conflicts happen and make them a little bit more believable. But um, yeah, I thought Guevara's performance in particular was genuinely good here. And Nice versus Guevara is going to be great. We'll talk a lot a lot about that in, in due course, because I also want to mention, following this, FTR challenged the Lucha Bros to a two out of three falls match. But I'm going to talk about all that as we look ahead to all the great AEW wrestling we got to look forward to this week when they ran it through on the show. So instead, we're going to move on. So yeah, to save the... some pre content for the preview, brother. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are next up watching the Black Friday deal match. It was the women's champion, Britt Baker. Baker versus Rio. If Rio wins, she gets a title shot all because she was never eliminated from the, the Casino Battle Royal, I think it was. Yes. One of those over-the-top rope things that they do. Um, I did like the fact that, obviously, Reba, Rebel, uh, and Jamie Hayter accompanied Brett Baker. But Jamie Hayter did not want to be there. <laughs> Written all over her face, still pissed off about what happened. Baker looked to the left and realized that she wasn't there. Like, there were loads of tiny moments. Baker, I thought, was on fire on Friday. Yeah, uh, very early, Baker tries for the lockjaw, but Riho escapes to the ropes. Baker just stamps on her. Uh, and then Baker takes the referee to allow Hater and uh, Reba, Rebel, uh, to choke Riho against the ropes, cutting corners as they often do. Uh, Riho comes back, drop kicks, pair of drop kicks, in fact, uh, that sends Baker to the floor, and she hits a top rope crossbody on Baker and Rebel on the floor. 
back in, though. Riho gets caught charging. Baker sends her headfirst into the middle turnbuckle, and we go to break. Uh, as we come back, Riho is fighting back. She eventually hits her head scissors, charging knee into the corner, but Baker comes back, suplex, and goes for the air raid crash. But Riho slips out and uh, nails a dragon suplex for a nice near fall. Baker, on the second attempt, does hit the air raid crash. She gets a two count off the back of that. Uh, Riho gets a Northern Lights suplex and a double foot stomp from the top for another near fall. And then as uh, Baker goes to that fisherman's neck breaker, Riho slips out of it, cradles her one, two, three. Britt Baker yet again failing to defeat Riho. Riho pinning the AEW Women's World Champion and earning herself a title shot in the process. Absolutely. Um, there's a million reasons why they've strapped up ba- Britt Baker, and she has been anointed as the um, face of this division, all of which can be reduced to she's really she's a star. She's yeah. an absolute superstar. Ratings draw, incredibly charismatic, great promo, um, all the rest of it. So we know already she's a star, hence why she's in this spot. I got a thrilling glimpse of Britt Baker as a genuine ace figure here. Mm. And I'm not saying that she's like a Misawa-level wrestler or a Tanahashi-level wrestler. But there was little glimpses of her character work in this match that I was incredibly impressed by. I thought it was her best TV offering of the year. Actually, no, because Thunder Rosa was on TV. The second best TV yeah, performance of fair. the year. I thought it was really well measured in terms of they've obviously left fuel in the tank, if you like, for that rematch. Um, there's little moments of Baker's performance that I thought were fantastic here, like her body language, the, the the snap that she put in certain moves where she was genuinely pissed off at the, the fight that Riho was putting up mm. to the point where it felt like she was defensive in these like small little moments she was really putting over of, got to resent how much I'm getting brought to my limit here. <laughs> Let's nip that one in the bud by being incredibly aggressive and dismissive of uh, Riho. There was a great spot in the corner where Riho was like, had a face, like smushed into the second turnbuckle, and uh, Baker was just stamping across the, like, between the shoulder blades, mm. like ragdoll on her head, it looked like Rio's head was about to come off her spine, it was great. Um, little tiny moments like that, when she was trying to put her away for the lock jaw, she was like rolling her eyes almost, as Rio was doing that wonderful um, arc out of the uh, predicament. Genuinely, I got the impression that Britt Baker was a little bit terrified of getting beat beat here. And sure enough, she did. She wrestled as if Rio had her number. Mm -hmm. And Rio, in fact, did have her number. I thought this is really strong character work from Britt Baker. And they're going to have the banger at a later date. Perfect setup. Perfect result, as we touched upon on the uh, preview what was it May, June, July, August, September, October, November? Seven months. Perfect time for it to do a job. Had some bad faith actors in my replies, and I no, don't get annoyed. Come on. I don't get annoyed. Like, I don't get annoyed, but I think it's worth pointing out that no, you are operating in bad faith. Oh, if WWE be a champion, you'd be the first to do it. And I was like, yeah, because they do that as a matter of course every single week. Seven months is long enough, particularly when you're doing a long title reign, to make it not to one. They're not going to look like they're no longer the champion if they get beat once in seven months. Two, when you've got an idea of who the ultimate um, destination is at the end of the title reign, it can get a little bit boring. Mm-hmm. So you want to add one extra wrinkle just as a little device they call on television <laughs> assholes called a twist, right? Um, so for all of, the, all of those reasons and more, I was really impressed by this uh, segment of television. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's run through what they've advertised for this week, though. Uh, Wednesday Night Dynamite, you've got Cody Rhodes versus Andrade El Idolo in the Atlanta street fight. I knew he was working a match in Atlanta. I knew it. <laughs> got the wrong match, but I knew he was going to have one. Uh, a really exciting match for the TBS title tournament, the quarter, final quarterfinal match, I think. Uh, Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander. Not a good week to be Alan Angels. He is facing Brian Danielson. It was, it was either him or... Anna J. Yeah, one of the Atlanta people. Uh, but yeah, that's the match that we've also got to look forward to. And the undefeated tag teams, uh, Billy and Colton Gunn versus Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, some huge matches before we even talk about what we've got to look forward to next week on Rampage. Absolutely. And if you want my thoughts on them, make sure to check out the uh, Dynamite preview wherever you get your podcasts from. Let's quickly mention, I mentioned the, the TNT title match, Sammy Guevara, Tony Nice. That goes down next Friday on Rampage. Two out of three falls for the AW World Tag Titles, FTR versus Lucha Bros. We were talking about this in the office. We wouldn't have anything else on that card, would we? Two matches. You want to give them as much time as you possibly can on a one-hour show. Yes, I think just to delve into the preview um, a little bit early, just because it is on the forefront of our minds mm. in our nerd office talking about wrestling, even even if those conversations aren't getting recorded, we're still nerdy enough to talk <laughs> yes. about them. Um, if you stack up match for match, FTR's NXT run versus AEW run, I think I think the NXT run's better. Yeah, fair. I think this match has been positioned so that FTR can really work something genuinely classic, like Young Bucks tier classic. Um, and I really hope they can do it because I wouldn't say it's been a failure of a run, but I'm starting to think I would have maybe have expected more. If you look at the principal XWWE act, who's got all the talent in the world, goes to AEW, fulfills that talent. Yes. One of my favorite low-key stories, threads if you like, Brody Lee, John Moxley, Miro, there's been loads. FTR are kind of just... The same, mm. if not a little bit worse, which is still, they've still been excellent, but I'm really looking to that one to be a blowaway classic. Yeah, that's their I'll expect an out lesser. Two out of three falls. And I really hope they get the time to deliver it, as you say. Uh, we got the old back and forth pre-main event interview, which was just, I mean, hard to go wrong with Eddie Kingston, Daniel Garcia, and most importantly of all, 2.0. Uh, Matt from 2.0 says... Uh, he hopes Eddie didn't fill up too much on turkey because tonight he's getting a taste. A 
of Red Death on Black Friday. And Jeff says, look, we know you. The reason why we did all that we did, chucking coffee in your face, attacking you, etc., because you ex- you reacted exactly as we thought you would. And Daniel Garcia, I love him. He's such a such a star of the future. He says, look, here we are, Friday night, Rampage, another sold-out arena for a Daniel Garcia main event. Tonight, he's going to embarrass the king, uh, and uh, he'll be giving thanks. And then Eddie Kingston just responds by laughing and says, y- y- you're serious? Garcia's going to stand there like the big, tough guy. My man, you're too light in the ass to mess with me. Perfect line. Never heard anything like that, and it was great. Uh, he says, I'm going to show you that tonight in the ring, and your other two homeboys, just shut up. He says, talk is cheap, partner, and he throws up a sign, and then we get... Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. And what a main event we got as well. Um, if you haven't already, if you're not already, follow, follow Daniel Garcia on Twitter because, well, we'll talk about it afterwards, but his reaction to, spoiler alert, it's defeat. My job. defeat. It's, it's not even his job. <laughs> it's my job. It's just it's just so good. So early on, it's more map-based, despite the uh, animosity between these two. I suppose they're just trying to showcase that their skill set is better, not rather than necessarily just beat the crap out of each other. But then Garcia says, no, nah, no bollocks to this. Here's a good idea. Let's have a slugfest with Eddie Kingston. It didn't end well for him as a result of that. Uh, Matt and Jeff, the 2.0 boys, have to pull Garcia out to the floor. So Kingston comes out and beats them up as well. But as uh, Kingston gets back into the ring following focusing his attention on 2.0, Garcia catches him with a kick, takes control, um, tries to whip him out of the corner, but Kingston comes back with those chops of his and pokes him in the eye. Love a good eye poke, me. Um, Kingston hit a knee off the middle rope, but then started selling his knee, and Garcia got that, like, red glowing weakness spot that you see on some games when you're fighting a boss and just targeted that uh, after double-chopping Eddie Kingston in the throat. Kingston fights back by biting Garcia, as he often does, and um, chucks him out of a suplex. As we go to a break, uh, and then when we come back, Garcia is stomping away at Kingston. He's got the control of the arm as well. Uh, he uh, tries to whip Kingston into the turnbuckle, but Kingston's leg just gives out at that point. And uh, Garcia basically thinks he's completely in control and walks straight into an exploder suplex. Garcia goes for the knee bar. Kingston makes it to the ropes, but again, he's he's really struggling now. Uh, Garcia goes for a jackknife cover, but Kingston rolls out of it and power bombs him. They're still fighting the old dog yet. Um, Kingston goes for a half and half suplex. Uh, Garcia counters wonderfully into a heel hook. And then Garcia... Goes with the hammer punches, but uh, Kingston catches him with a nice half-and-half suplex in response. A big strike fest here. I think it was earlier on that I'm thinking of this spot. But there was a bit where Garcia thought he chinned Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston hit him with, like, five shots in half a second, basically, to knock Garcia down. That was earlier. But later on, yeah, just a real strike fest between the two. Kingston fights back with an inseguri, and Garcia hits him with a lariat for a double down. Garcia is the first one back up, drops a knee on Kingston. Kingston comes back and just slaps the taste out of his mouth. Garcia goes for a pile driver, but Kingston reverses into a Saito suplex. Goes for the spinning back fist, but Garcia ducks it. Not the second one, though. He connects with that one. Garcia is out. Kingston gets the pinfall. And what happened afterwards, we'll talk about after 
we talk about this, but the match itself was uh, was just jaw dropping. Oh, this is so great. Um, I want to start this little analysis by putting over Chris Jericho because I feel like he gets a lot of pretty warranted criticisms for his commentary on Rampage. Slowly but surely, his caterwauling has sort of quieted down a little yes. bit. He's yeah, I don't get that. Oh, shut up, brother. <laughs> I don't get that feeling from him that much anymore. And he could have overcompensated considering what we're about to talk about yes, here. Yes, absolutely. But he didn't. He was quite muted. Um, I think his commentary has improved. I think he's found the correct register with which to speak. And the reason why it's so affecting when you have a current active wrestler doing commentary is that they can give another dimension to the match itself. I really want to put over one call, and it was barely a call. It was like really an organic reaction from someone who should know how much this hurts, how much it would suck to take. Uh, at one point, uh, as you mentioned, Kingston just leveled Garcia with a half-and-half half suplex. Yeah. When you have a current active wrestler on the commentary team effectively going, ah, right at the neck. I like, along with Starks as well, because Starks was talking yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well. When you have someone who would know, Jesus Christ, I would hate to be the victim of that. It Referencing just, a bump clock and everything. Yeah, it just illuminates how much that was a great spot or a hell of a risk to take, and it just further draws you into the action because they've got the credibility, and when they do that frightened, visceral reaction, it just adds such a dimension uh, to the match itself. You didn't really need the commentary to sell how much this looked like it hurt, though, yes. which was an additional um, feature to how great it was. Um, it just felt like a fight. Mm. Like, that's what I love about AEW right now in 2021 especially. Like, just the goddamn range. You have fireworks, you have plunder, you have really, like, sort of considered character work with, like, a, a Hangman Page's matches. You have the technical artistry and strategy of Danielson, and you got, like... Danielson tier match in this main event. Eddie Kingston selling. It's not he wasn't merely consistent in it. He wasn't merely like believable in terms of oh he looks like he's really hurt. Like the minutiae of his selling is just absolutely outstanding. So he gets his leg worked over in typically great um, Garcia style. And uh, Eddie Kingston who's basically this incredibly hard and defiant brawler who just happens to have watched all Japan and that's influenced his <laughs> yes. style. It's great. Lands a powerbomb on Garcia, but because his knee has been ritually worked over throughout the match, he can't he can't explode into a pin attempt nope. because his knee's killing. If you watch him fall down frame by frame, you have to believe that his knee was actually hurting in this match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way he stumbles backwards, and it wasn't particularly graceful, like, it was the opposite of a flat back bump, almost. He just staggered down as if, like, oh, oh it's given away, it's given away, it's given away, it's given away, it's given away. Like, he literally couldn't support it. Like, how do you work that? Mm. It's just tremendous selling on his part. Um, the match itself was great. Just, like, really aggressive. Loads of fire in it, loads of intensity, loads of great work and craft, to the point where it didn't feel like they were actually crafting anything. Mm. That's the genius of this. Like it didn't feel like they were actually doing anything to construct something. It just it was constructed to make it feel like it wasn't being constructed, mm. if that makes any sense. I thought it was absolutely fabulous. I thought the finish was great. So clever. Because what you've done with that finish, with the duck of the spinning back fist, is if you haven't just done it out of nowhere, Garcia's ducked it, knowing to strategize for that move. So it's made him look clever, but Eddie Kingston 
is the cleverer one purely because he spent more years in the ring than Garcia. There's nothing separating them in terms of how good they are, how tough they are, other than Eddie Kingston's just had a few more years around the bend than Garcia. The result would probably look different in five years. I loved that little allusion to that. Great main event, totally different to the opener. Completely compelling in this, this really feels like a fight sort of way. And I could watch this kind of match on a Saturday morning with my first brew for the next, for the remainder of my lifetime. Yes, uh, and we're going to talk about the fall about fallout of the match in a second. But some of the other fallout that I really appreciate—I mentioned it before—Daniel uh, Garcia at Garcia Wrestling. If you want to go and follow him on Twitter, I love the, the the real analysis that he puts into his defeats. He doesn't just go, John Cena. Well, I lost, but on to the next one. Doesn't matter really. Uh, he tweeted, my mistake going into this match, he shared the clip of him, uh, the strike exchange with Eddie Bloody Kingston. My mistake going into this match was underestimating the size and power of King. Got a few takedowns stuffed, so I hesitated and dropped early uh, to strikes that I never fully recovered from. Oh, got dropped early, sorry, from strikes that I never fully recovered from. I resorted to my default, bracket subs, which was a mistake due to his durability and toughness. I love the effort that's gone into all that. Yeah, Garcia absolutely rules. He absolutely rules. He compliments the story of his matches after the fact, as well as making sure that they feel real or feel meaningful to him. He knows what he's doing as well. His job right now in AEW is as a prodigy who hasn't yet refined himself to make sure everyone's in trouble. He's getting over by getting, like, beat... It's weird, isn't it? It's just class. He's absolutely class. Uh, More opportunities for him, I'm sure, are forthcoming. He's like, how many future TNT champions has this goddamn company got? It's absolutely incredible. Those pillars better watch out, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, Eddie Kingston gets his revenge on Daniel Garcia, but he doesn't have time to celebrate that before he's jumped by the real stars of the show, 2.0, who come in, attack him, and then Chris Jericho removes his headset, runs down, and saves Eddie Kingston to close the show. Your thoughts on that? Because we sort of alluded to it on the preview. I alluded to it on the preview. Mm. Like, I'm not being funny, but the second that they shot simultaneous angles with 2.0, one with Kingston, one with Jericho, I thought, he's he's done a Jericho here. And that is Kingston's uh, star. But, you know, I'll get him to the next level. <laughs> Look, they've got a decent rapport. Their, um, Kingston's appearance on Talk with Jericho was class. You can tell that they've instantly bonded. Maybe Kingston's delighted to work with Chris Jericho. Everything Kingston touches turns to gold. Um, I have faith in whatever this is going to be, whether it's going to be a tag team or a... I don't need you to fight my battles. Like, piss off, we'll have Mm. a fight, me and you instead. I've got all the faith in the world that this should genuinely be class. Like, really, I think it'll be awesome. Um, But at the same time, I still find... I still believe the motivations behind Chris Jericho pitching to work with Eddie Kingston. Yes. Largely cynical, but I do think the result will be outstanding. Intriguing, yes, to see how this one plays out. Because like you say, you can see it either going one of two ways. Yeah, I mean, an, if you just an, work with Jericho, yeah. An unorthodox be a star. tag team, which would be fascinating. Or also Eddie Kingston going around going... No, I've, I've got a best mate who I tag with, and yeah, I don't I'm not, don't need any more. For, I, Eddie Kingston is very much someone who I would associate with the phrase... I've got enough friends, thanks. There's storyline potential here for it to sprawl out and to do stuff with um, Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz again. 
That would be cool. Ooh, that would be cool. Keeps um, Kingston in a shoot fight with Jake Hager, beating crap out of him. Probably. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I've, I honestly think this will be great. Whatever they do together. Um, but that's more on Eddie Kingston than it is on Chris Jericho. Right yeah, now. like Eddie Kingston, uh, Chris Jericho's Chris Jericho. Like I think he's he's increasingly easy to take the piss out of. He always has these cycles where you fall in love with Chris Jericho. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I mean, it's just part of the the curse of longevity. And, like, it's kind of harsh when you think about it. He should be, for how much entertainment he's given everyone over the years, he should just be, like, Chris Jericho can do no wrong. Yeah. If he has a bad week, if he has some bad part of this week, it's Chris Jericho, which should be nicer to him. It's the curse of wrestling being weekly and never-ending. Mm-hmm. You just resent people. Uh, you just start to resent them. So I've got no doubt in my rational mind that this will be great, but he's a cynical bastard for pitching this one. Good luck on the Fozzie tour. Looking forward to more of that, basically. Go away. Make me miss you for a bit. Uh, but let us know your thoughts on everything that went down on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can order his brilliant new book all about the rise of AEW, Becoming All Elite. You can either order it as part of the Sidgwick Bundle. It's sold out, brother. Oh, they sold out. We can order... Let's get a signed version. Get a signed version and, I don't know, 606 wrestling matches to see before you die, which Sid was also involved in uh, whatculture.bigcartel.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Will One. I think I already said that. doesn't matter. I'll say it again. You can follow him at Sidgwick at WhatCultureWWE for all of us. Uh, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review is available right now and the Raw preview will be coming later on today. But this has been the AEW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.